Let's invite our speaker for this morning, please. Lord Jesus, thank you for keeping your word to us. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit who is in us and who leads us into all truth, who reminds us of what you have taught us and who steers us in the direction of obedience, who prompts us to do your will, prompts us to pray and leads us back to grace when we fall. We are so grateful for the Holy Spirit and that he speaks to us and that he understands us and that he is close to us and it is our direct connect to you and our assurance that we will see you one day face to face. Thank you, Father God, that you know how to get through to us. Thank you that no matter where we are in our faith journey, know how much alive we are to you, you know exactly how to speak to us and how to get through to us. And I Thank you that you are the best communicator in the house. So we invite you, Lord Jesus, to speak to us. We're here to listen. We're here to obey. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. The series is called Grace. The Greek word is kari or charis. And when you do a word study, it's fascinating. And there are several meanings or usages of that word. And I'm going to look at four over four sermons. There's four of them, and I'm going to look at it over four sermons. But if we could anchor our study, our thought process on one verse, even though there are many verses using the word grace, it would be John 1.16. John 1.16 says, is this on your screens? Yes. For, for from his fullness, for from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. The word of God is rich. The word of God is concise, precise, and you can circle a word and be sure you're on target. Of course, you need to have the right uh, translation for that. I'm, I'm using ESV here. For from his fullness, the fullness of God in Christ, we have, not we will get or we may have, we have all, all of us have received grace upon grace. We're going to unpack that verse, unpack the thought of grace as we move along. The grace of God is received. The grace of God is received. And it is received and then channeled to others. You cannot copy the grace of God. You cannot mimic the grace of God. You can't be gracious like God. Jeremy Dawson cannot be gracious like Jesus Christ. No way. No way. Jeremy can... Surrender and enjoy the grace of God and allow the grace of God to flow through to other people. If I enjoy the grace of God, but I hold you to the law. If I enjoy forgiveness from God, but hold back forgiveness from you. If I am judged not by the law, but by the grace of God, but I use the law to judge you. I have misunderstood what it means for the grace of God to be channeled through me. I don't mimic the grace of God. I channel it. I allow the grace of God to flow through me. So the grace you're getting, the love you're getting, the, the joy you're getting is from the Lord through me. So we become channels of the character of God. We cannot, cannot, never, we cannot mimic the character of God. We are too sinful, depraved, and lost for that. So why this series? I want you to learn to live under grace. We have been taught to live under the law. We've been taught legalism. We've been taught to abide by rules and laws. But I want you to understand that 
I don't want to want to convince you that you're a failure. We all know that. We all know that we fail. We all know that we are broken, that we're sinful. But I want you to understand the grace of God. Because when you understand grace, then you are not judged by your sin. You're judged by God's goodness. You are covered by God's goodness. And that grace covering, that grace covering, that grace uh, covenant with us, that enabling grace is, a, is something I want you to understand. I want you to learn it. I want you to live in that grace. In that grace comes the confidence to pray. In that grace comes the confidence to forgive. In that grace comes the ability to endure. So much is drawn from the grace. A believer's living quarters, a believer's living quarters is the great, the great grace of God. It is the air we breathe. We breathe grace. We live by grace. And while announcing this series over the last couple of weeks, I've been talking about how, how casually we use the word grace and how we, we, God's grace, by the grace of God, everything is the grace of God, new car, the grace of God, new house, the grace of God, new you know, job, the grace of God. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can't, I can't deny that. But if you understood the grace of God, it is a climate, it is the air we breathe. I live in that grace. And you need it. Because you're going to sin today. You're going to sin tomorrow. Until your dying day, sin will be crouching at your door. Till your dying day, you'll be fighting temptation and fighting loss and fighting failure and fighting guilt. It's never going to end until you step into the presence of the most holy God and you renounce this body to the dust and you live in God's holy presence with a new body and a new habitation. So till that day, how do we live confidently in faith, confidently with the Lord, yet at the same time deal with the brokenness of our sinful nature? Where do we, where do we meet in between? Do I live condemned, self-condemned, guilty all the time knowing my brokenness or do I live like a hypocrite thinking I'm all right thinking everything's great praying like as if I'm a perfect uh, saint yet I know this to be true grace is what brings those two together grace and truth is what brings those two together Romans chapter 5 is what explains justification beautifully the the the, the doctrine of justification through him that is Jesus we have also obtained access by faith into this grace, into, use, understand the words he uses, into this grace in which we now stand. It's a position, it's a, it's a placing in which we now stand and we rejoice, that's joy, in hope, that's hope, of the glory of God, that's glory, joy, hope and glory. That's just one verse thrown at you for you to meditate through the week. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Brothers and sisters, if you learn how to, this, how to, how to live in the grace of God, you will not feel like a hypocrite, a hypocrite even though God has saved you and you have access to the presence of God. And you will not feel like a condemned sinner even though you are broken and find yourself facing your brokenness every single day of your life. Never able to keep your word. Never able to stay your love on Christ. Both are realities. Both are true. And we hold intention. Both those things as we stand and live and breathe the grace of God. It's not something we attempt to understand. But that we enjoy by our right as children of God. Because only a father can show grace. And I'll end with that. 
So the grace covering, the grace enabling, the grace and peace to you, the many greetings, and the grace to you in terms of relationships. We're going to talk about all of that. There are four of them that I want to look at, beginning with the first one today. Saving grace, enabling grace, gifts of grace, and greater grace. Saving grace, enabling grace, gifts of grace, and greater grace. I'm going to be, each, each message I want to take you, uh, take you through one of those. But there are three types of grace if you look at uh, the meaning in it of itself. It specifies three types of grace. Number one is prevenient grace. Prevenient, excuse me, prevenient grace, which is God's active presence in the people's lives, in a person's life, way before you get saved. And you think back, God was there. God was working. God was leading. God was bringing people into my life. God was showing uh, uh, compassion. God was showing patience with me as I waited, as I, as I worked my way through faith, as I ran from him, as I fought truth. All those years, I could now see as I look back, God's provenient grace. Then there's God's justifying grace. God's justifying through which all my sin is forgiven and I have made holy. And then there's God's sanctifying grace in which he allows people to grow in their ability to live like Jesus. The everyday becoming like Christ, the enabling grace. We're going to look at that as well. So jump with me to John, the book of John. And I want you to read with me. This is not our passage for today, but read with me as a launch text. <coughs> so that this passage begins our thought process in the matter of grace. Because grace comes from God's word. Would you read with me? 1 John, all the verses are not there. Some are missing deliberately. I just want to focus on a few. I don't want to throw too, throw too much details at you. Together with me. In the beginning was the word. Are you there? From the top. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Jump to 14. And the word, capital W, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father. Full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out. This is who of whom he, I said he comes after me ranks before me. Because he was before me. Verse 16 with me please. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Would you do that again with me? For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Loudly, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. Only God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Now you've got to get this. You've got to get the simple concept that Jesus came into the world to bring you back to the Father. Didn't come to start a religion. Didn't, make, didn't come to condemn you. Didn't come to make you feel bad. Didn't come to make things look good. Didn't come to separate people and make one people more special than anybody else. He came to give his life so that having covered your sin, the grace of God might may be made available to those who place their trust in Jesus. Jesus Christ came from heaven. He is God. He's not the child of God. 
He's the son of God bearing all the authority of God. All the perfection of God. And he came and he gave his life and completely died. And in doing so, he covered potentially all the sin of all man for all kind. For all time. So that those who place their faith in his atoning work, once you exercise faith, the grace of God that God wanted to give you and made Jesus available so that the grace can be given to you is now poured out over you the moment you place the slightest of faith in Christ. It comes gushing down like fresh rain after a month of heat. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you don't become a Christian. You don't start a religion. You don't get religious. You come to God saying, oh God, is there any way I can be right with you? And God says, yes, there is. My son was willing to do it. And he went to the cross and he's done it. You place your faith in him. I pour my grace on you. No one has ever seen God. And the only God who is at the father's side, he has made him known. He has made him known. I want you to get this about the grace of God that Jesus came so the father can have you back. Only a father can show grace. A king will show law. A judge will show law. But a father shows grace. A father is willing to overlook. A father is willing to go all the way. A father is willing to give up his reputation. A father is willing to give up his kingdom. Only a father. And you need that father. Whether you like it or not. Saving grace. How has God demonstrated his grace in our salvation? In saving us. Today we are looking at saving grace. Number one. The first thought I want you to think through with me is he raises enemies to make friends. I mean, who does that? Who does that? He raises enemies to make friends. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you, that's a plural you, you guys, all of you. And you were dead. You were, past tense, you were dead in your trespasses and in your sins. Trespasses is when you cross the line. Sins is when you broke covenant. You, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That means when Adam sinned in that moment, he spiritually died. He became disconnected from God who is spirit. So whether he is, his body is still walking around, his spirit was dead to God. And while we want to think individually and that each and every one of us has an individual relationship with God, we are all of the seed of Adam. And in the seed of Adam, we inherited spiritual death, spiritual separation from God Almighty forever. So he said, in the day that you eat that fruit, you will, say it, surely die. In the day that he ate the fruit, he did die. And spiritual death is like physical death. When somebody physically dies, they don't cease to exist. Their body is somewhere, but it's separate from you. You are separated. There is a physical separation. In the same way, there is a spiritual separation. You don't cease to exist, but you are separated from God. You no more know the presence of God. You no more know the grace of God. You no more know the life of God. You have no relationship with God. Now God, someone has to do something to change that status. God is alive and we are dead. Who can do something about it? God. And we are dead and we are enemies who have died. Would you raise a dead enemy? 
Would you raise up a dead enemy? Someone who hated you. Someone who abandoned you. Somebody who walked away from you. Somebody who defiled your name. Somebody who dishonored you. Somebody who lived like you did not exist. That you were, that you did not, you were not worthy of the worship that you rightfully have. Somebody who, who, who rubbed your name in the dust. And then he died. Would you raise that person up again to reconcile with that person? Not me. Not me. I'd be like, yes, he deserves it. Let him stay dead. But you were dead in your trespasses and sins. In which you once walked. Following the course of this world. Following the prince of the power of the air. Everything that could possibly mark you as an enemy. You did. Following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now at work with the sons of disobedience. Among whom all you once lived in the passions of your flesh. Carrying out the desires of the body. And you were by nature children of wrath. Your whole life was angered God. Because of the sin that riveted through it. And where the nature of children are like the rest of mankind. Verse 4, circle but God. Verse 4, circle but God. Verse 1, and you all. And you. Verse 4, but God. That is the grace of God. Grace is not just saying, Chalta hai yaar, hai. okay, jane do. Jane do. That's how we forgive, right? That's how we forgive. Chalo, hai. Jane do. No, no, no. A, a dead enemy, someone who lived in rebellion, someone who was born dead to God, someone who did not even show any kind of remorse for the kind of way they were living. Someone who has gone, taken your nature, taken your, uh, your name and despised it. For God to go out all the way to say, bring him back to life and give him a chance to be right with me. Not just give him a chance to be right with me, but come all the way into my presence. Not just come all the way into my presence, but be an inheritor of all that I have because they are my child, to be my child again so that I can give them all again. That's what God does. Who raises a dead enemy? God does. And God doesn't just raise an enemy to take revenge. God takes, raises an enemy to bring life, to give fatherhood, to give everything he has, to be God being rich in mercy. Look at those words. Being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Love compelled God the Father to say, I want that child back. I, I want that child back. Give that child a chance to come back to me. Give that child a chance to come back to me. Give them, at least let them, let them know what Jesus did so that they can come back to me. Oh, these are the most precious words in the scriptures. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when, you get that? Even when we were dead in our trespasses, while we did not have a clue, while we didn't know what was going on, while we had our back towards him, God says, Lazarus, come forth. While I had my fist up against him, while I didn't know whether I wanted to have anything to do with God, he wanted me completely. Who does that? And that's the grace of God. When you didn't know whether you want to be right with God, God knew he wanted to be right with you. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made alive. And I want you to underline this. By grace, you have been saved. 
By grace you have been saved. What does that mean? It means not you. You didn't do it. It means not the law. The law didn't do it or your fulfilling of the law. It's, it means not works. It's not your works. One or hundred or thousand that made you uh, acceptable to God. It's not your effort. No, it's not your effort. It's by grace, not your effort. It's by grace, not you. It's by grace, not law. It's by grace, not works. Not by my will was I saved. I wasn't even born again. I was dead. So it's not by my will that I have been saved. I didn't decide to be saved. God in his grace said, I'll save you. I'll save you. I'll give you a chance to be my child again. I'll give you a chance to give you what Adam had before he dropped the whole thing. It is the will of God. So what does he do? Verse 6. He raised us up with him. With Jesus. He raised us up. Jesus rose again 2022 years ago. <laughs> Jesus rose again 2000 years ago. Long before you could come to church or think you are saved. <clears throat> and he seated us with him. In the heavenly places in Christ. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Say it with me. By grace. Through faith. By grace, through faith. Which comes first? What comes next? Can you get grace without faith? So grace is not for everybody. Who do you place your faith in? In Jesus. Who gives you the grace? God does. Who wants to give you the grace? God does. What does God present to you non-negotiably? You place your faith in Jesus. There is no other name under heaven by which you can be saved. By grace through faith. God's grace is accessed by faith in Christ and Christ alone. Grace alone through Christ alone. The first thought I wanted you to think through this week is the fact that nobody raises a dead enemy. But God did. He raised me up so that I could be his child. Not just okay with him. Not just so he can take a second shot at me. So they can Second thing is he hides me in his character. He hides me in his perfection. The, the theology is called justification. The doctrine is called justification. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, And because of him, that is Jesus, you are in Christ, in Christos, in, in Christ. You are in Christ. And this Christ became to us. So his perfection is now covering us. It's covering my weakness, my brokenness. You are in Christ and, and Jesus Christ became to us, name it, the, come on, you can read English, the wisdom from, is it on the screen? The wisdom from God. Number two, Jesus became to us the righteousness of God. Number three, sanctification. Number four, brilliant. I had none of those things. I had none of those things. I was a fool, darkened by my sin. I had no righteousness of my own. There's no beginning to start to be made holy in Christ. And forget about redemption. But I'm hidden in the perfection of Christ. And Christ has become to me the wisdom of God, the righteousness of God, the sanctification and the redemption. Why? So that I do not boast, but I boast in him. So that I do not boast, but I boast in him. Nothing about my salvation came from me. It wasn't even my will to be saved. So when you place faith in God, it justifies you and it places you in grace. 
It justifies you. That means it, it clears your sin and makes you holy. And then it places you in a grace standing with God so that your salvation is not a performance salvation, but a positional salvation. I repeat. It places you in a grace standing with God, an environment of grace so that you are breathing in grace, not just for starters, but for till the end. You live the rest of your life in that, in that climate, in that air of grace. Because you have been given not a performance salvation, well done, well done. Or, but you have given a perform, but you've been given a positional salvation. You are saved because you are in Christ. And in Christ, you are covered with Christ. And Christ hides you in his perfection, his wisdom, his righteousness, his sanctification, his redemption. So I boast, I boast in Jesus. If I have anything to say with regard to heaven, with regard to spirituality, with regard to eternity, it is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, so faith justifies you. Not works, faith. We have peace with God. Now I'm in a right standing with God. Legally, my charge sheet has been torn apart and I have no faults against me written in heaven. All sin has been removed and I am clean. There is no record of my wrongdoing in heaven. It has been washed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm justified. Not just that, grace takes you further. It places you in Him. So through our Lord Jesus Christ, through Him, we have also, circle also, we have also obtained access by faith. So faith gets you the second thing. Into this grace in which we stand. In which we stand. You now have a standing before God. A righteous standing before God. That means when you stand before the judge. Your standing is you are righteous. You are on the right. You are not wrong. You, have not, you are not guilty. So it is a positional Redemption that God has given. A positional salvation that God has given. So once God has given you a position in Christ, your works are no more the reason or the, or the start or end to your salvation. Salvation is completely separate from your works. So therefore we move from justification to what we call sanctification. That is the being made holy process of from the time I am justified to the time I see Christ face to face. God is cleaning me out and he's making me more and more like Jesus. Obtained access by faith into this grace which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope and the glory of God. God has always wanted to cover you. Listen to me. God has always wanted to cover. Listen to me. God has always wanted to forgive you. Before you could exist, he knew how broken and sinful you would be. How rebellious you would be. And how proud and arrogant you would be about how broken you are. And he has always wanted to cover you. Satan has always wanted to expose you. Your enemies have always wanted to expose you to shame and guilt and humiliation. But God is your father and father will never want to expose or shame their children. A, God, a father will always cover and absorb the guilt and the pain and the shame and the brokenness of our child and cover them. And God from the beginning of time by his sovereign will has desired that not a sin of yours would go public. For so 2,000 years before you could lie for the first time, he took all your sin and he placed it in Jesus and he poured all his wrath for all time on Christ and settled forever in heaven any possible charge against you. By grace, you have been saved.
for Adam. Adam sinned. And God was angry with Adam. <coughs> and God was like, what have you done? Where are you? I'm ashamed. Why are you ashamed? Adam took leaves. That's religion. But God took a lamb. And God killed that lamb. And God took the skin and he covered him. And for the first time, Adam saw bloodshed. And he realized, the wages of sin is death. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. All the courts on the, on the face of the earth, all the judges and the courts and the laws on the face of the earth don't come anywhere close to the holiness of the courts in heaven. But the difference between the courts in heaven and the courts on earth is our judge is our father first. And he judges by grace and not by law. And that is why you should live your life full of worship. He's always wanted to forgive you. He's always wanted your relationship more than the rules. He's always wanted to look past your brokenness and have you run into his chest and be right with him. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He is slow to anger, abounding in mercy. He will not always contend with us. Nor will he keep his anger forever. Uh, he has dealt not with us. He's not dealt with us according to our sin. Oh, thank God. He's not rewarded us according to our guilty deeds. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our wrongdoings, our, trans, our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He knows our form. He is mindful that we are nothing but our love this. Look at that. He is mindful that we are nothing but dust. We are nothing but dust. He knows that. So he doesn't deal with us according to our brokenness, according to our sin. Oh, the grace of God. Oh, the love of God. One more thing before you leave. He doesn't just raise you up and make you a friend again when you were an enemy. He doesn't hide you in Jesus so that... All the beauty of Christ, his wisdom, his righteousness, and his redemption covers you. And Jesus, God looks at you, he sees Jesus. He sees the perfection of Christ, his son. Not just that. But when you go to heaven, he's going to make you a trophy of his grace. He's going to make you a trophy. You will be trophies of grace. You're not just going to heaven. You're not just going to heaven. Heaven is not your reward. You are his reward. You are his crown. You are what he worked for. You didn't do anything. He's waiting for you in heaven. And when you come to heaven, Ephesians chapter 2, he raised us up and seated us with him. Now Jesus is seated with the Father. We are seated in Christ with the Father. In heavenly places in Christ. Why? So that in the coming ages, the angels forever and ever, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. He wants to put on display the grace of God. The magnificent grace of God. The enabling grace of God. The greater grace of God will be put on display forever and ever and ever in heaven. With the trophies that are lined up in the shelves of heaven. And that's you. You're not going to heaven as a reward. You're going to heaven 
as his reward. So start now. Start living to be his reward now. Be a trophy of grace now. Let your witness be the hope and the grace that has been lavished upon you now. Let the grace that is given to you flow through you to the people in your life now. In kindness towards us in Christ Jesus, he has dealt with us. So he makes my life a testimony on earth and he makes me a trophy of heaven in heaven forever. He makes my life a testimony on earth and a trophy in heaven forever. He has positioned me in Christ in heaven, giving me complete access to the Father. Because that's what I needed, access to the Father. I was created to be a child of God. He, was, he has always related to me as my heavenly father. Without a father, we are orphans, without a home, and without an identity. Jesus came back not to start a religion. Jesus came back not to show you your bill or your charge sheet. Jesus came back to bring you back to the father effectively. Not religion, but relationship. Because that's who you are. You're a child of God. You're a child of God. And you're not defined by your failure. You're defined by your faith. Do you trust Jesus? So I've been raised. I've been justified. I've been seated. I've been raised. I've been justified. I've been seated. When I was dead, he raised me. When I ran far, he brought me near. When I was lost, he sought me. When I am ashamed, he covers me with his righteousness. When I had no righteousness of my own, he gave me his own. When I could do nothing to reach him, he did everything to reach me. When I forget his grace and trample his mercy, he shows kindness and waits and waits for me to come home. And some of you, are holding on right now and you haven't gotten right with God. Some of you are holding out right now and you have not given your life to Jesus. You have not placed your faith in Christ. You do not know the grace of God as a covering over you. General, generic God in heaven, God's grace, God's grace. But the grace of God that is lavished upon you when you place your faith in Jesus, that grace that covers you, your sin and the perfection of Christ and the shining beauty of Jesus is given to you to cover your ugliness and the warts and the and the mars of your sin. So you are now beautiful in his eyes. That hasn't yet happened yet. Some of you have even come to that place but trampled and gone far from God and you know you're far from God and you are trampling the grace of God and you're living in the very air of the grace of God but you don't have the, you don't have the courage to come back to him because your, your mind is here. I'm a broken person. I'm a failing. I will fail again. There's no point. I will fail again. But you don't understand. It was never about you or by you. It's always for him. And if it's his will that he should be right with you, Change your will to want to be right with him. Right now. If you want to get right with Jesus this morning, I dare you in the presence of those who already love Christ. If you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time and trust him, place your faith in Christ so that he might lavish God's grace on you. If you want to come back to God and renounce certain sin in your life, here in the presence of those who already love Jesus, I dare you to stand. I dare you to stand. I dare you to say, Pastor, I'm with you on this. I understand this. And I'm standing. I'm already standing. So it's not about anybody else right now. It's about you. Don't look at anybody else standing or sitting. It's about you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're making a commitment to come back to God this morning, to get right with God this morning. Not abuse the grace of God, but live in it.
victoriously. Would you take a stand? Nobody? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your patience. Thank you for the fact that you wait and wait and wait. Like a good father at the window, you wait for us to come back. You wait for us to get right. You wait for us to remember. To remember that we are yours. To remember that we really belong in your home. We were not made to live out on our own. Oh God, extend your mercy, extend your grace. To those listening online, to those here in this auditorium, those who will listen to this sermon later, pour your grace out, Lord, that we may respond to it in faith. Jesus, I plead with you that we would be a church that is all about getting people right with God. The days are running out. Wars and rumors of wars. Earthquakes, marriages, buildings, arrogance, confusion, confusion of sex, confusion of gender, confusion of right and wrong, confusion of absolutes. We are coming close to the day when the trumpet will sound, God will scream out enough and he will come to take us home. May we in, those, in these last days live our lives worthy and pleasing to you. In Jesus' precious name I pray.